Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, December the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the rumors begin to swirl at the college level. We'll talk about potential coaching changes, a quarterback prospect that could vault into the top 10 slash QB1 discussion, plus a jam-packed Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that... I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You guys know by now, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That's how the podcast is judged. That's how we get out to more Dolphins. That's how we continue to do the show for you guys. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, your daily Dolphins blog your source for the best in-depth content about the Miami Dolphins football team. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NBA podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have some injury news to get to. Let's go ahead and bring on the Mad Dog. And as has been the case for the Miami Dolphins all year long, an injury list that would basically make a starting roster on this football team. And we go down the list here of the DNPs that did not participate. Jake Brendel suffered a calf injury in practice, a re-aggravation of the calf. His status for the game on Sunday does not look good. Sounds like he will miss the game with Travis Swanson back at center. And Ted Larson gets the job back once again at left guard. Frank Gore did not practice, but that's because he gets the day off on Thursday. He was off on Thursday again. And Xavier Howard, we're going to talk about him on the first segment, but he did not participate in practice. It sounds like he won't play. Limited participants, Danny Amendola, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, and the center, Travis Swanson. The good news is Cornell Armstrong is back. I would love to see him get some more reps in his rookie year here, taking over for Sabian Howard. It's either him, Torrey McTire, or D. Delaney. So what do you want to see? I want to see the upside and the chance for growth going into year two for Cornell Armstrong. As for the Patriots, Dwayne Allen and Patrick Chung were limited participants, and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski both came off the injury report. So the Patriots fully healthy coming into a game facing the wounded Dolphins. It's a Friday show. It's almost the weekend. Let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so we talked about the Xavier Howard knee injury, which occurred on an interception on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills getting tackled. It looked like he kind of rolled up on it, didn't look right. And it is the same knee that he has struggled with, with injuries in the past, which could be a bit of an issue. And it sounds like they're calling him week to week at this point. But I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier Howard gets shut down as the year goes along here. If the Dolphins lose the game on Sunday against the Patriots and playoffs really kind of become an afterthought and Xavier Howard's long-term future becomes the forethought in regards to his play and his future. So we'll see what happens with him going forward. As for some other Xavier Howard news, he just hired a new agent, and I'm sure Dolphins fans won't want to hear this, but it's the same agent that represented Jarvis Landry in his contract discussions and had some pretty harsh words for the Dolphins and the way they do business during that negotiation period. And yeah, he wound up getting Jarvis Landry paid a bunch of money, but I don't tend to think that that relationship will be soured. I think his name is Demarius Bilbo, which is a hilarious name, but I don't think that Bilbo will really take 
any of that vitriol from the previous negotiation. And the Dolphins, in the same way, they're both out for the same reason, for the same purpose, to get Xavier Howard locked up long-term in Miami. So while it's a story, I think it's mostly a non-story. And then speaking of Xavier Howard, again, I saw a stat today from Michael Kist on Twitter. He's at Michael Kist NFL talking about how Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick are number one and number two in the NFL in passer rating allowed. So I talked about the Dolphins having the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. It sounds like that's already here. And with Bobby McCain in the slot, you could have three really good cornerbacks basically locked up for the next three, four, five years for the foreseeable future. An important position for the Dolphins locked up for the next few years. So good things there at the cornerback spot. But one spot that might not be as set in stone is the head coach. And there was a couple of rumors that came out on Thursday that maybe point to the idea that the Dolphins could move on from Adam Gaze. I still don't believe it'll happen until I see it. I think Stephen Ross is loyal to a fault. But there is one man out there on the planet that would make a lot of sense for Stephen Ross to say, okay, I will fire Adam Gaze and hire this particular coach. And of course, all of you know by now, it is Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. And Stephen Ross probably had the biggest hand in hiring Harbaugh at Michigan as he is really the most pronounced booster at University of Michigan. So those guys are very tight. There's a tight relationship there. And if Harbaugh wants to make the leap to the NFL, it sounds like the Dolphins could be at the top of his list if he does make that jump. And I'm sure a big reason for that is the Ross connection with Harbaugh. And it ties in with another rumor that was out there from Ben Volan, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Globe, I believe. And Ben Volan said the Dolphins, as he heard from one NFL source, could be a candidate for a team that blows things up this year. And Jim Harbaugh would certainly fit the bill of the blow up and the rebuild and would get the Dolphins a big, big name in the process. Now, I've seen a lot of Jim Harbaugh hate, so to speak, on Twitter. People that don't want him, people saying no, people saying barf, which is strange to me because Jim Harbaugh, all he does, well, all he does is... That's all he does. He wins everywhere he goes. He started off at San Diego, a program that wasn't even in existence in football until he got there. His first year, he goes 7-4. and four. His second year, he goes 11-1. and one. His third year, he goes 11-1 and one once again. Then he goes to a Stanford program and takes over a 1-11 and 11 football team. Now, granted, this one took him a few years to get there. Starts off 4-8. and eight, then goes five and seven, then a jump to five and or eight and five, excuse me, rather, and then twelve and one and an Orange Bowl title before he takes off to the NFL and takes the Niners job, who were a six and ten team, eight and eight the year prior, seven and nine the year prior, five and eleven, seven and nine. You get the idea. Basically, they were the Miami Dolphins of that time and era. And he comes in there, and what does he do? His very first year, thirteen and three, gets to the NFC Championship game, loses in overtime. The next year, eleven four and one, wins the conference, goes all the way to the Super Bowl, loses that game by three, had a chance to win that game, then the lights went out. You guys know how that went down there in New Orleans. 2013 goes 12-4, and four, back to the NFC Championship game. The Niners are throwing the ball into the end zone to win the game, and of course, Richard Sherman makes the play that ends the Niners' season, and then he kind of flames out, goes 8-8 eight and eight his final year, and then it moves on to Michigan, where he takes over a team who, before he got there, was 5-7. and seven. He goes 10-3, 10-3, and, three, 10 and three, Falls back to 8-5, and five, and then this year now 10-2, and two, and has just won games every single step of the way where he's been a football coach. So some of, the, some of the negative things I've seen about Jim Harbaugh, I really can't understand it. Yeah, he might be a little bit 
antiquated in the way he does business in terms of being a running team. But wouldn't that behoove a team that plays in a hot box where the defense falls apart after 40 to 50 snaps, run the football? Hell, this year he took on a transfer in, at Shea Patterson at quarterback who brought a new type of style to the offense. So I don't think he's unwilling to adapt. And if you want to talk about him being antiquated, go back to 2011 before really the zone read and the RPO was a thing. Well, he unleashes Colin Kaepernick onto the planet and had success with him. So I think Jim Harbaugh is a terrific coach. If they want to do it, they should. But I think the biggest reason Stephen Ross would do it outside of the fact that he's a great coach and he's a Michigan man, it's the marquee name. You get national television games. You're a big draw. You're talked about in a positive fashion. It would change the narrative in Miami. So everything there, in my opinion, is all good for Jim Harbaugh. But you know what would make me even more excited for next season? I'll tell you about that on the next side of the podcast here, the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It's a Friday. We got about 48 hours until kickoff. The Dolphins take on the Patriots on Sunday with the season on the line. We are talking more about some college prospects as well as a Twitter mailbag here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Winkle with you guys here as always. And I gave you a teaser off the top. We talked a lot about Jim Harbaugh, some of the success he has had at every stop he's been as a head coach in the league as well as in college. And there was some more news that came out on Thursday regarding a potential college quarterback prospect who might not be 100% tied to his baseball contract he currently has. And you guys all know how I feel about Kyler Murray. Easily, far and away, would be quarterback one coming out for me on my rankings if he does decide to choose football. And all it really will take is the NFL telling him, hey, kid, you're going to be a top 10 pick, which equals a guarantee of 20 to $30 million in that range, as well as instant fame and fortune opposed to being a $5 million baseball player who has to ride buses from town to town to play minor league baseball games for two, three, maybe more years than that. So if Kyler Murray wants to play football, do whatever it takes, go all in and get that guy. That's my number one hope for the offseason. We'll see if we even have a chance to do it. But if it is the case, that's something to get really excited about. And the Harbaugh and Murray connection, not to get you guys too pumped on a Friday, but I'm a little bit down on the team right now. But if you got Harbaugh and Murray, I would jump feet first right back in to not only being excited about the team, but thinking about possible championship aspirations right down the immediate road. Okay, let's go ahead and change gears here and jump right into the Twitter mailbag real quick. And before I do that, I wanted to make a mention that I'm a little bit giddy right now, sipping on my Tito's and soda. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, which you should be by now, you saw that I was talking about sushi in the Miami area, in the South Florida area. Well, I actually got a DM from a Dolphins player making a suggestion about where I should go for sushi. I won't reveal who it is, but it was pretty cool to see that jumping in my DMs, sliding in my DMs, and offering up his advice. So maybe I'm fitting in with the locals down here in South Florida. Maybe it's time for me to get down here permanently and do this job the right way. Let's go ahead and shift gears now and get into that Twitter mailbag. And you guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter for your questions. You respond with a question. You get a shout out here on the podcast. I read your name and handle, answer the question here live on the podcast. And we'll do that right now. First question here comes from Danny Weir at Danny Weir. Will Miami do the right thing and sign X long-term this offseason? Talked about at the top of the podcast, absolutely yes. I think they view both he and Laramie Tunzel as their cornerstone players, and I think those guys will get paid and be Dolphins for a long, long time to come. Danny also asked, true or false, Gaze deserves another year if the team finishes 7-9 or better, even if Harbaugh is an option. I don't know about deserves just because 
I mean, the team has never really been good at what Adam Gaze does specifically. And then also the other things like defense hasn't been good either. So deserves is probably the wrong word, but does he have a chance to get that extra year? Yeah, I certainly think he does. And the next question here comes from Mark McCain at MMAC74. 2019 Miami starting quarterback is, and then he says ellipses, kind of leaving me open for interpretation. And I'm going to go ahead and bring on someone here, our staff editor, Jason Harina, because he wrote a great article back in, I think, November, talking about how Tannehill makes a lot of sense. I'll go ahead and turn it over to him. Jason, who do you think is a starting quarterback for the Dolphins in 2019? I firmly believe that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starting quarterback in 2019. There are way too many reasons why. Um, between the coach, he's stuck to Adam Gaze. Adam Gaze absolutely loves him. Um, if Gaze isn't here, it's a different story. Um, the answer is completely different. But with Gaze here, um, with Tannehill's contract compared to the other contracts out there for the quarterbacks, um, compared to the quarterback free agent class out there, it's really weak. Um, and given this draft class, um, unless your boy Kyler Murray comes out and he's yeah. taken over, uh, I really believe that Ryan Tannehill is our guy going forward. And that's what I that's kind of where I go to as well as the market that's available for quarterbacks right now. It's kind of a weak market, and that plays in Ryan Tannehill's favor, but he mentioned Kyler Murray. If he's there, I'm doing everything I can to get him. Kyler Murray, I would go up to get him. I would trade up to the top of the first round, draft him. Dwayne Haskins, I'd probably stay put, maybe go up a little bit. I would draft him as well. But other than that, pretty much looking at like guys like Drew Locke in the second round. So I think Ryan Tannehill's near the top of that list. Teddy Bridgewater is as well. And then Dwayne Haskins and potentially Kyler Murray, I suppose, as a starting quarterback in 2019, but also some veteran options too. So we have a lot to talk about this offseason regarding the quarterback position. Next question here, would you swap Gase for Harbaugh right now if you could? Yes, that's that's not even something I have to think about. Yeah, I would. Next question here comes from Nick Robb, at They Call Me Dragon. Fantastic handle, by the way, Nick. He asks, so far on your trip to Miami, what has been your favorite part, least favorite, most memorable, most disappointing, most exciting, and most exhausting? Uh, favorite part, the Dolphins game on Sunday, seeing everyone in the locker room, that's a gimme. My least favorite part, Probably the drive into actual Miami, the traffic was awful. The most memorable, again, the locker room after the game was such a unique experience. Most disappointing. Disappointment-wise, I don't think I have an answer. I thought about it for a minute. I don't have an answer. It's all been fantastic so far. Most exciting, uh, either the Dolphins winning that game late, the Charles Clay play, or walking down Miami Beach and just enjoying the aesthetics, if you will. I'm sure you guys know what that means. And the most exhausting, again, going back to the traffic is insane, but also the heat on Sunday at the game, wearing long pants and long sleeves, that was a bit much. How about you, Jason? What's been your favorite part of the trip so far? I mean, game aside, the game is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the hospitality, everything uh, from the stadium and everything uh, from the staff was absolutely phenomenal. I say it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but they blessed us with being able to go again this upcoming Sunday and uh, really no words on how to describe that. So, I mean, that aside... Uh, I mean, it's a cliche to say that the weather is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, coming from Jersey, coming where my friends and family are telling me it's 20 degrees, uh, I, that's probably the one thing I'm going to miss most about this place is uh, we're in the beginning of December and I can just go outside mid-morning and I'm completely relaxed and it's beautiful out. Um, so I have no sympathy for everyone up north. I'm sorry, because I'm going right back to that in a few days. <laughs> Every time I walk outside, it's it hits me like I'm so unexpectedly how warm it is. And back home in the in the Pacific Northwest, it's been really cold on the east side of Washington State. So the weather's been fantastic. And like he mentioned, the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity really twice in a lifetime now that we get to do it again on Sunday. So it's been awesome. I just have no complaints about being down here whatsoever. Next question here comes from Sean Mawinney. And I always get your name wrong. I feel like dude, so I apologize for that. But it's at SW Mawinney. Favorite Seattle NHL team name? 
I saw the Kraken. That one sounded pretty cool to me. I know that we tried to get that name to stick on Cam Wake a few years ago. At least some of the guys that I talked to did, and it never really took hold. But the Kraken would be a cool name, I think, for a hockey team. Next question here comes from Joshua Saladino at jsaladino24. Nothing off limits? Okay, then. Would love to hear your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team hiring of Greg Berhalter. Can you tell me? Because I don't know. I don't know the first thing about him. I know that Jurgen Klinsmann wasn't what we hoped he would be. I know the Bruce Arenas hire was awful, and missing the World Cup has really, frankly, kind of turned me off soccer in the interim. Don't get me wrong. I effing love soccer but right now missing the world cup that really took the wind out of my sail so please tell me what you think about it because i'd love to hear more and get me educated on the u.s men's national team next question here comes from ds fins at ds sales guy is next season mission impossible for gays yeah if he's back i think it is just because steven ross has pulled the plug two consecutive times in year number four i don't see any reason why adam gaze would be special do you have an answer to that jason three years without making the playoffs uh steven ross isn't gonna sit for that i mean if for no other reason like continuity is one thing he's a very loyal owner um but he's also a businessman and he's gonna want to get the next big hire he's gonna want to make some money uh if he sees fans slipping away if he sees media um trashing his team if it's just negative in any sense, uh, he's going to look for a different spin. So I could definitely see him moving on if Gaze doesn't make the playoffs. And that's why I think that Jim Harbaugh becoming available changes the entire dynamic of this offseason because I do think that Gaze will be back next year, but Harbaugh being available changes the game. Next question here before the break. We'll come back to the rest of these questions afterwards. Comes from John Nolan, at Clone Don Shula. Is there, if there's enough interest, would you guys sell shirts? I'd rep Locked On Dolphins at games. As a matter of fact, they are available. I'll have to post the link for you guys because I took it down from the pinned tweet on the Locked On Dolphins Twitter account. So I'll put it back up there for you, John, and we'll get a shirt out to you as soon as possible. We do have them. We just haven't really sold a whole lot of them, so to speak. So we appreciate the support. And we'll come back on the other side of the podcast here and answer the rest of these questions on the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Friday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, cruising into the weekend ahead of a very big football game for our Miami Dolphins, taking on the New England Patriots, and we are continuing on this podcast, answering your Twitter questions here on the Twitter mailbag on the Friday edition, December the 7th on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And we are continuing on the Twitter mailbag here. Once again, you guys always give me such good content on these Friday shows. Frankly, after I preview the game, Sometimes there's a bit of a reach for content, but these Twitter mailbag questions always provide that. And also, of course, last week was Kenny Stills' comment about not being able to throw himself the football. Now we have Jim Harbaugh, Kyler Murray, tons of information. But nonetheless, let's jump right back in here. This next question comes from El Cid, Ciento33. He's at Skip underscore 1951. Do you think Sitton comes back from injury next year and stabilizes the offensive line? 100%, I think he comes back. But I think that if you go into the season without a backup guard, option behind him like a high draft pick maybe a day two pick maybe very early on day three I think that would be negligent and just a poor planning process in terms of the Miami Dolphins roster building idea going into the year so I think Sitton comes back but you have to have a good backup plan behind him next question here comes from Connors at Lee Connolly one he asks with Harbaugh being heavily linked with Green Bay and Cleveland would you boot gaze out to make a play for him I've already given you my opinion on that I think yes so why don't I go ahead and turn that one over to our staff editor at LockedOnDolphins.com, Jason Harina. Yeah, so going back, Stephen Ross cares about his continuity, and I believe that definitely helps Gaze in this instance. Uh, the problem is, do I want Harbaugh? 
Only if Stephen Ross is actually convinced that Harbaugh's a guy. If he just wants Harbaugh because he's a new name, because he's a Michigan guy. I mean, he's a sexy name right now, but at the same time, Adam Gaze was a sexy guy a few years ago. Um, so I'm fine booting out Adam Gaze if you're convinced. Same thing with the quarterback. I'm fine booting out the quarterback or the head coach, but you better be convinced that that's the better answer. And that brings up an interesting topic just because, you know, I agree with that. You have to have a better option behind him because you don't want to regress in that sense. And obviously that's not the idea of any team, any organization, any company really in America or the world. They want to improve and get better going forward. And I'm, I'm kind of doing a John Madden thing here, but I mean, at the same time, retaining a guy that isn't the answer just because you don't have a better option is also poor practice in my opinion too. So it's a tough situation. If they have a chance for Harbaugh, I think they have to at least explore it but once again, you go back to 2011 when Tony Sperano was, you know, kind of the lame duck coach. You don't want to have that situation either. So whatever it is, have conviction and go attack it accordingly. Next question here comes from one of the names that I always butcher and I apologize once again. Actually, you know what? I don't apologize, dude. I just realized race, it's Racelin and then Racelin backwards. That's confusing the hell out of me. So Racelin and then Racelin backwards and the handle is the same. How has exercising in Miami changed your perception on their home field advantage? Well, look, I come from a town where it's in the summertime, it's desert. It's like 105 degrees and there is no humidity, but the dry heat is absolutely unbearable. I walk outside and I start sweating. So I'm used to that. But coming down here in December where I'm used to 30 degree weather back home and running outside in 80 degree temp with the sun shining on me, it's a big fucking deal. And it really wore me out on both of the couple of runs I took this week. So yeah, it has changed my perception. And I think the home field advantage is a big, big deal for the Miami Dolphins. And that just takes me back to when you were talking about how um, the home field advantage with this team. It just makes me wonder why I don't take advantage of it more. I mean, it's, it's always hot down here. We saw it when we were at the game. Um, we're beginning in December and we're sweating. Um, I can only imagine what these players are going through. I mean, busting their butt, uh, maximum speed, maximum effort the entire game. Um, Why Miami doesn't take advantage of this more? Um, You don't necessarily need the crowd noise. Um, You really just need the sun. And, I mean, we saw it a couple of times. We saw it with uh, Lawrence Timmons a few years ago, vomiting on the field. Um, They do do it every now and then, but uh, it would be nice to really take advantage of it more often. I remember seeing the when we were in the press box, we had a good shot of the visitor sideline and the sun kind of went behind the clouds for a decent portion of the game. And I remember thinking like, ah, that's too bad because that was a big advantage for us. And also not to throw him under the bus, but Safid Dean, one of the beat riders on the Dolphins was down at the Walk of Fame pregame. And that dude was sweating bullets pregame. So it happens. It's a hot one down here. It definitely has an impact on the way these teams play the game. Let's go ahead and move on here to the next question. Comes from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. Have you reenacted scenes from the Birdcage yet, such as, and then he posts the link, which I actually just looked, watched it. I've never seen the movie, but Robin Williams was one of my all-time favorites. I was really sad to hear about him going, you know, to the better place in the sky, so to speak. So Robin Williams, one of my all-time favorites, but I haven't seen that movie, so I don't have a good answer for you. Next question from Frank F. at F. Fiorno 1. What's the faster path to a better Dolphins team? New defensive coordinator or new quarterback? Damn, that's a really good question. I think that Matt Burke will be the scapegoat this year, and not to say that he doesn't deserve to be the scapegoat, but I think that when Adam Gaze meets with Stephen Ross postseason, he's going to kind of say, look, these are the things I, I had happen to me on offense. These are the things we had wrong on defense. That's kind of how he saves his job is throwing Matt Burke under the bus. I don't know if that's the kind of relationship that they have, but I do think that will happen. But if I had to choose, I would choose the new defensive coordinator. Do you have an idea of what you would want, Jason? 
the so we've been talking since we've been down here this whole trip, and there seems to be one common denominator um, with this team and how it can get better. And it seems to be that Adam Gaze is solely focused on being an offensive coordinator and not so much a head coach of this football team. So to me, while I do think both are necessary, um, I think in Gaze's tenure, he hasn't necessarily had the best uh, defensive coordinator to help him out, um, nor do I think he has the best um, assistant coaches in that sense to help him out on offense. But all that aside, it's a different conversation. I do think a new defensive coordinator would help this team out a bit more, especially if he gets it right and gets an experienced coach that could actually help him out as a head coach. Yeah, you saw what Vic Fangio has done for the Bears this year, and sure, they have the personnel, but I would love to have had that combination. Or, you know, what Sean McVay did with Wade Phillips. I think he's a veteran, experienced defensive coordinator that can kind of handle an assistant head coach type of position and really kind of take control of the defensive side of the ball in that same manner would go a long way for this team. Next question comes from Eric. He's at FinFan362. Do the strength and conditioning coaches slash staff deserve any of the blame for all the injuries we have accrued? I think, you know, it's easy for us to say that sitting on the sidelines and not really having a in-depth knowledge of the situation. And I sure as hell don't. I don't know anything about the Dolphins trainers and their staff. I do know that one of Mike Tannenbaum's biggest selling points when he got here was instituting this new sports science program, which focused on nutrition and body weight lifts and other things that, you know, the new age type of workout that older athletes are kind of pointing to, the stuff that Tom Brady has done to prolong his career. So I think that maybe they could change their, you know, their practice in general, but I don't really know that I would have a big, inf- a big impact on injuries. Do you have an idea what you think about that, Jason? I think it's tough to say. I mean, you have injuries uh, like Josh Sitton, William Hayes, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, all of them are not, have nothing to do with the training staff. Those are all just unfortunate injuries. Uh, it makes me wonder, though, someone, something like uh, Jakeem Grant, um, he was nursing that injury for a while, and all of a sudden he's out there, he makes a cut, and he almost essentially tears it. Uh, that is a poor decision on the on the coaching staff, I feel like. But him, Albert Wilson, those are iffy. But the rest of these injuries, I mean, William Hayes landing wrong, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, soft tissue injuries are, I think that's really where you point to the trainers and just kind of the program. And part of the thing that, I, I listened to a podcast with Move the Sticks with one of the Nike reps, the guys that works out the athletes at the con, or post-combine, or leading up to the combine, I should say, and getting them ready for the draft. And he talked about how that downtime from the end of OTAs to training camp is where guys really have to kind of keep their bodies right because they get back and there's so much install in the first couple of weeks that your body's going through so much stuff you're not used to and that's where a lot of the injuries occur actually most of the injuries occur across the NFL calendar in the first two weeks of training camp so I think this team might have just had some bad luck but it's hard to say that and I understand your question because the last three years every year under Adam Gaze this team has been incredibly banged up All right, last question here. And you told me how to pronounce your name, so I appreciate that. It's at John Longjun, John Longjun, and he's at J Longjun on Twitter. And his question is, what's the first thing you do if Miami runs the table and the Patriots lose to the Steelers and either the Bills or Jets and giving the Dolphins the division title? So basically, what do I do if the Dolphins win the AFC East? I mean, you guys saw the gif on Twitter, the running through the street with the flag. Maybe I do that with my pants off. I don't know. I'm celebrating. I'm definitely drinking and hanging out and having a great time because I would love to see this team get a home playoff game. I can't even imagine. It's been 10 years since that happened. It's been almost 20 years since they won a playoff game, much less at home. So I would just be celebrating for days on end, getting back into the postseason, winning the division, taking down the Patriots. 
All right, that's going to wrap the podcast up for the week as we head into the game on Sunday. I will be there live and in person to see the Dolphins take on the Patriots. As for the podcast, you guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for a recap edition, getting all the audio and post-game coverage live from the press box and the locker room at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday night slash Monday morning. The Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. <laughs>